and welcome to the Library Girl and Book Boy podcast. Today I am talking to the very funny Matt Brown about his newest book, Mutant Zombies Cursed My School Trip, which is illustrated by Paco Sordo and published by Osborne. I think we all know a few adults who certainly come back from school trips a little like zombies, and I'll also be recommending some of my other favourite funny reads. Right, today we have Matt Brown on the podcast who is talking about his newest book, Mutant Zombies Cursed My School Trip, which is illustrated by Paco Sordo and published by Osborne. Hi, Matt. Hi there, Joe. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for joining me. Um, oh, it's lovely in here. Yeah. You've, I like what you've done with the place. Oh, well, thank you very much. You know, I've tidied up specially, put away my socks. <laughs> Anyway, moving on from my socks, let's move on to Mutant Zombies. Could you tell us a little bit about the story, please? Yes, absolutely. Um, So Mutant Zombies Cursed My School Trip is a story which follows the lives of a group of year six kids um, in Dreary Inkling Primary School. Um, And this is the second book in in the series of stories about them. The first one was my talent show but in mutant zombies cursed my school trip you might be surprised to discover that mutant zombies curse what? a school trip uh, i know uh, <laughs> so it's it follows the sort of life of of a new kid in the school called who's called ian ianson um ian son of yes. ian and he uh doesn't have any friends he's just moved into the school and is looking forward to this, this this sort of residential overnight stay at a at a stately home called Leviathan Hall um, because he thinks that he's going to be able to make some make some friends. And uh, things take a turn for the worse when the owner of Leviathan Hall, Gertrude Leviathan, uh, tries to turn the class into mutant zombies. Yeah, that's a bad twist on the school trip. Imagine yes, the health is. and safety risk uh, assessment for that. <laughs> exactly exactly i really like the idea as well that's that's um these extraordinary things essentially keep happening to this same group of of yeah. kids in this in the same school uh and that uh the uh the head teacher will just be tearing her hair out because uh it's like w- anything that she plans clearly something awful is going to yes. happen one disaster after another but i Exactly, yeah, but I—I I don't know about you, but I was always a, um, a sort of the, the inspiration for this was just school trips as a kid, I, which I just adored. Um, anywhere where you could get go on a bus somewhere, just were always fantastic. And it turns out, you know, from chatting to friends, that everyone had, had has got memories of of you know school trips on yes. coaches and you know sitting at the back and eating your lunch by about sort of half past eight yeah. in the morning and all of those sorts of things so it felt like it was a good um area to uh, explore and chuck in loads of jokes and weird Definitely. Stuff. I have to say as a teacher now I do have a slightly different perspective on school trips they're not quite <laughs> as enjoyable as they were in my childhood <laughs> and I have returned from a few feeling have... like a mutant zombie myself on occasion I have to say Excellent. Yes, I can definitely imagine that. It, I mean, now I look back at 
I mean, I, I went on a couple of skiing trips mm. at school and some teachers went on those. And I sort of think back to what, think, why on earth would you do that? That seems like that's the worst possible uh, way to spend your time. Just, uh, you know, uh, looking after a load of shouty yeah. kids somewhere where, you know, you've got to be really super responsible. I suppose you've got to go skiing for free. So that would be the... That would be mm. the tempter. I don't know. I don't know if it no, would it wouldn't be for me. I'm not. I don't think I'd like skiing very much. I'd rather stay at home. I've been on residentials before. Thankfully, not skiing, and and they're not fun. What the just the residentials are just? Are, do they are they just a grind? To well, get... the kids don't sleep. The kids get up early, or they don't get up at all. Some of them are homesick. You have to be happy all the time. It's very stressful. Yeah. But just imagine, just just sort of like in your head, just imagine the scene at the kids' house when the kids aren't there and the mums and dads are cracking open the champagne and having a fine old time. It's, it's uh, you know, we thank yeah, you I have for that, it. I had that coming myself in um, the autumn. My son's going away on his year six residential in the autumn term, so I am looking forward oh, to a week right. of bliss. Brilliant. It will be, be amazing, lovely. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so my next question was, is this story loosely hopefully based on any of the actual events or teachers from your childhood school i'm hoping there were no zombies involved in your childhood no zombies no zombies no um the um but yeah it, it sort of is loosely based it's loosely based on trips that i went on but also loosely based on trips that my kids have gone on because I'm a dad of two mm-hmm. sons and they are 10 and 13. So they both, or one, one hasn't done re- the residential yet. He gets yeah. to do it this year. Um, but uh, my eldest son had did a couple of residentials, which he absolutely adored, absolutely loved. Um, uh, but I think as well, it's fun for um, when you're, uh, when you're trying to write stories about kids, because kids generally live in, live in a world where they are, sort of monitored the mm-hmm. whole time um, and looked after the whole time by parents or by teachers or by carers or whoever it is, you sort of, as a storyteller, you need to get them out of that. Um, and a lot of authors kill off the parents, mm-hmm. obviously, in a sort of, you know, this Harry Potter style. Um, but a school trip seemed like a really good way because my memory of them was that sort of things were just different and uh, the atmosphere was just, there was something sort of electric in the air and anything could happen at any time. And obviously on my school trips, almost nothing <laughs> happened. Untoward. But just the idea of, of sort of kids being away from the family uh, was just really enticing. And, and actually in the story, the teachers, uh, well, I sort of bump the teachers off you know I've done, not that they're dead but they they sort of like they get removed from the action quite yes. quickly so the kids are sort of on their own against these um nefarious uh people who are trying to turn them into zombies and then the zombies themselves as well yes, fairly inept zombies aren't they really they are well i think i was th- i think of them as sort of lovely zombies mm. because they were created using beetroot juice instead of the required uh bat's yes. blood and so they were turned into vegetarian zombies and so they're just very chilled out and they just don't want to they don't want to kill people they don't want to eat people's brains they just want to 
you know, bake flapjacks and have a have a good time and make sure everyone's okay. Yeah. So uh, I, I like that about the zombies that they're actually really just very benign and and they're actually quite nice and you'd, you'd probably quite like to hang out with yeah them. i mean if you were to meet zombies they'd be the ones you want to bump into for sure wouldn't they <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah uh, right so i want to talk about um ian ianson who you mentioned at the beginning who yes. is very excited about going on this residential because he hopes he might actually make some friends because he's very lonely due to moving yes. house and moving school almost constantly yeah is this something that you can relate to yourself or yeah, I mean, my um, childhood was one of moving around quite a lot. Uh, we moved, initially moved a few times because of my dad's job. Um, so in a similar sense to, to Ian. And then my parents split up. And so there was more sort of moving around then. So we were I was sort of constantly sort of on the move and in different houses and different sort of uh, people trying to, yeah, trying to make friends. Um I also really like the idea of the imagine of Ian have Ian has yes. an imaginary friend. I like that idea, and I like the idea that Ian's imaginary friend sort of even he thought that Ian might be a bit old to have an imaginary friend. That even he was he's really rooting for Ian to to sort of make friends and to be okay, which I thought was really really nice and really sweet. Um, and there's a bit at the end of the story which you yeah. haven't got to yet. Um, but um, that I've just really enjoyed writing because I, I do, I sort of, I, whilst I really like writing and sort of gross things and thinking of the, the worst and most awful things that you can possibly do, I really like trying to tug on the heartstrings as well. And there's a little bit at the end that, um, that I really enjoyed writing that does mm. that. But um, I've, I've been fascinated with, with, uh, imaginary friends for a really really long time I think I, I never had an imaginary friend, friend as a kid but my sister did um, and that was partly because in our family we had um, my sister my, my eldest sister and then there was another uh, daughter that was born who died as a baby and I think that the sort of the story the family stories is that my eldest sister sort of created an imaginary friend to sort of like cope with that the sort of the grief yeah. and the trauma of that and so, but all of this happened before I was born. But, um, and so I've all, I've been fascinated with, uh, with imaginary friends for a really long time because I think that they are just really, I don't know, really, I've got just a huge soft spot for, for imaginary friends and for, for kids who, who need them for whatever reason it is. And Ian definitely is one of those kids that needs to have someone who he can just call on at any time because he doesn't have uh, he doesn't have a very you know a very big support network no. I suppose this is what I find so interesting about <clears throat> funny books is often overlooked is that although they are obviously funny they do also touch on these issues that really affect um children's lives don't they like the loneliness and the constant moving absolutely. and yeah absolutely and and particularly when as a kid you you just don't have any control at all your your life is completely determined by others um for good and for bad and and so that you know you don't there's no sort of there's a lack of control I think sometimes or, or certainly maybe you feel a bit like there's a lack of control I remember feeling like that when then when we moved around when I was a kid that sometimes you just want to go I don't I don't want this I know that I know that you want this but it's not mm. not what I want so I think that it is um again just as a as someone who likes telling stories it's just uh um 
a cool way of of getting some uh, drama into a situation, getting some conflict going, which is all, always makes for good stories. Yes, definitely. Now, as I was reading, I was struck by obviously how funny it was, but also it was just the right balance of funny and also really creepy. And I think the kind of humour did balance out the kind of creepier aspects of the book. Does this kind does this reflect your reading preferences as a child or as an adult? Kind of the funny, gross, creepy. Yeah. Definitely, I think it. I think it really is. In fact, I think the whole series, the like the first book was about aliens. This book is about zombies, and the third book in the series is about killer robots. Um, they all, um, they all, they're all just things that I have been fascinated with for years. I, I've always loved scary stories, and I've always then sort of like then sort of graduated to scary films as well and I still love watching mm. scary films but I can remember reading story you know having sort of volumes of ghost stories as a kid and I used to love those books which were um I guess they're kind of a bit like the Ripley believe yeah. it or not books they were you know um stories of uh spontaneous human combustion and uh yes. you know what I mean and those 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 sorts of stories I've just always absolutely adored those uh and and I really like stories that are creepy um and I so I I I suppose I I try and I do try and write um write them creepy and and it was a I'm really thrilled that you sort of like think that they are because I really wanted I didn't want it to be a cop-out I didn't want it to be something that I wanted it to have a sort of a layer of of threat and danger yeah. and because those are the sorts of things that I love reading and and I think I really wanted to um to try and yeah to put it that definitely down came page. across and actually it's not something that you often get in children's books I'm often asked by um, kids for scary books to read and it's really hard especially at a primary age to recommend anything that's vaguely suitable yes no you're right it is and I think that I mean, I used to work um, for Nickelodeon, mm-hmm. the TV channel, a long time ago, and I had a great boss who always used to used to used to look at children's television, and that was that was on terrestrial British television in the sort of nineties, and just despair. And, and he would say that all of this is made, all of this television is made by adults who think they know what kids want, and what we were trying to do was to make stuff that kids mm-hmm. actually wanted. And I think that that has sort of translated into my writing in that I, d- I really try and not talk down to uh, my audience because usually whenever I speak to them, they're just super smart and super funny and are just really interested in all manner of things. And it occurred, it occurred to me as a dad as well that, that I was much more squeamish about things yeah. than they were. Um, you know, when you, for example, if you listen to my kids my 13 year old less so but my certainly my 10 year old talking about death and he's it's absolutely yeah. brutal you know there's no sentimentality no. at all I think that is something that's a sort of like a, a reflex that develops later maybe in your teens but so I think that they're that I, I think that kids whilst obviously you don't want to send them no. to bed having nightmares I think that they are really um capable of taking maybe more than you imagine that they will in terms of creepiness and the threat and danger i think you're right and books are a really safe way for them to explore that particularly if they are balanced with the humor as yours are yes 
absolutely yeah I think so as well I've always liked yeah funny stuff and and you're right I think that that it it is it's it's nice to be able to to sort of to scare somebody but then to reassure them with yeah. some jokes and and uh, an ending which is just really happy and uplifting yeah, no, I definitely agree um, so I want to just move on to something that's been kind of floating around on social media recently, which is the lack of um, press coverage for funny books in general, but particularly um, for the Lollies, the Laugh Out Loud Book Awards, which were organised by Scholastic and Michael yeah. Rosen. And there's been a real discussion about the lack of coverage for funny children's books in general in, in the press and in the media, apart from a few celebrated um, authors. Why, why do you think that yeah. funny books often seem to be overlooked? Well, I think that it feels like there's a sort of, there are two sort of conflicting things happening. The first is, is that funny books get an awful lot of, of attention, but it's really just the funny books of David Walliams or David Baddiel or like maybe two or mm. three people who uh, just seem to just generate uh, I suppose, understandably, just an awful lot of interest. Um, and and then on the sort of flip side of that, I think that you're absolutely right. I think that f- funny books are seen as slighter than more serious or thought-provoking or, or issue-led books or um, serious books, for want of a better word. Um, and like we said earlier, um, I've always found that that with funny books, they're... The, the very best funny books, there's always something strange or sad or interesting or serious at the heart of it that uh, is just being treated in a in a funny way. I don't I don't think this is unique either. I think that that funny, funny things generally are treated yeah. as slighter than serious things. I mean, if you look at the Oscars have just happened recently, um, I can't ever remember uh, a funny film winning best picture. It's always something very serious. I can't remember an actor winning because they were uh, funny. It's always because they are serious. Um, and there's a really funny uh, song, actually, that Will Ferrell and Jack Black did at an Oscar ceremony that you can uh, see on, on YouTube. I think John C. Riley's in it as well. And it's essentially, it's them bemoaning the, the fact that the funny, the clown never, never wins an Oscar. So I, I don't think it's something which is unique to books, but I think that it's something that is is it's sort of like it's disappointing and it's disheartening as somebody who writes funny stories that that just they're just not often not on lists uh, of books that uh, for that you know that that are in the running for more attention, i.e., prizes or. Um, uh, uh, you know, lists for like, like for example, as a teacher, I'm sure this, this, that you, you know, I'm very plugged into teachers on Twitter, and of the books that are sort of bandied around and recommended, probably at least eighty five percent of those books are yeah. not funny books, uh, but um, obviously there are some people who really do champion them, which is amazing. But um, I don't know what the answer is, other to, other than just to try and. Uh, get get them in the hands of the kids and get them in the hands of the parents and get them in the hands of the teachers and just see how brilliant they are as a way of of generating what you hope will be a sort of lifelong love of reading. Um, I think funny books in particular are just really amazing at connecting with kids. Um, so I, I, you know, I love the lollies 
and before that there was the Roald Dahl Award and and you know long, long may they continue and I hope that they they get much more attention than they have been. Yeah no I think it's a real missed opportunity because like you say all kids love funny books and although I do not advocate funny yeah. books as solely being a gateway into reading for some children they are mm. and I just think that if we're not yeah exposing you know, if teachers and parents are not exposing children to them, they could already be missing a trick at just hooking them into reading. And I think teachers in particular, I've done um, workshops based on funny books that do cover more serious issues, just so they can see there's a real breadth in the type of humour within books. It's not not all, you know, fart gags and falling over. Yes. Sometimes it is, and that's brilliant, because why not? But also, they do deal with tricky issues that the children or their families might be going through at the time but in a really approachable gentle way no I completely agree with that and you're absolutely right that there is no sort of one size fits all um, solution because I'm just you just you saying that has reminded me of my own son uh, my 13 year old who loves funny books but actually the books that he really loves are ish, are issue issue books things like wonder or holes or you know stories that have got some some huge sort of injustice at at their heart um and so whilst he would probably i think has got got into got into books possibly at the beginning because he he loved you know um jim smith's books the uh barry loser books and stuff like that um uh which he always said were much funnier than my books which is why I, I, I've now banned Rightly them so. from the house. Uh, <laughs> but um, you're absolutely right. I think, if you, as, I think if you can get a real mix, and as you say, that try and make the point that funny books aren't just about fart, fart gags or, um, uh, yeah, or gross-out stuff. There's, there's often, you know, great depth to, to funny stuff as well. I think that that's really important too. I think too. it is, and I think a bit of everything, actually, is what, is what children need. So, I completely agree with you. I'm just trying to find a um, something that my um, my editor put uh, on because every time I get a book back, um, my editor has written, you know, makes lots of comments at the side about whether they yeah. like stuff or not, and one yes. just made me laugh, which was a, a comment. It was there was a list. I'd written a list of things that the character had done. I think it must have been for Mutant Zombies. And the comment from my editor, she just said, could one of these examples be something not bottom-to-bottom <laughs> related? <laughs> so I think it's it's good, you know, it's worth everyone knowing that there are people who keep, keep our yes. lives in check so that it doesn't just become bums and farts and uh, oh, all goodness. that sort of jazz. Thank goodness. So, exactly. moving on to my very last question, I am always very interested yeah. and curious and nosy to know about anything exciting that the people I talk to on here are working on or have coming out this year that they can yeah. maybe give us a little um, yeah. hint about. And I was also wondering if you'd ever considered writing a slightly creepy picture book for younger readers, because my youngest son is about to turn six and he likes a little bit of a zombie and creepiness. But at a, a six-year-old level, so you know there could be a market there for you to tap into. Yeah, that's a brilliant idea. I hadn't thought of that. No, but mm. now you've said it, 
And, you know, poo, poo and bottoms and farts would work perfectly for the six-year-old picture book market. <laughs> Wouldn't they? Yes. Ghost poos. Zombie poos. That's what we'll do. Um, oh, that's right. I'm, um, well, I've, I've got a, a book coming out. So, so Mutant Zombies, Curse My School Trip is out on the 7th mm-hmm. of, of March, which might, I suppose, be, uh, so it might, might be in the past now. Might, it when, will when be, yes. It will already be out, ready for them to buy in the stores. Perfect. And then in July, um, then the, the next next of this series is coming out and it's called killer vending machines wreck my lunch um and it's a it's a story about um a uh a sort of like a, a tech a tech billionaire who creates um uh creates a, these sort of like super vending machines um but unfortunately they're there's they're, they they go out of control and try and destroy the world and and yet again the year six group at dreary inkling uh, have to try and try and stop them and sort them out um but again it's it's there's a, a a huge huge part of it that is about friendship and about being in in sort of like gangs there's a the girl who is the the, the heart of it a girl called drisha is torn between being in a gang um uh which is like where the, the coolest girls in the school uh, have got a gang and they ask her to be in this gang quite surprisingly uh, but and but then she, the gang she really wants to be in is a gang of of kids who like building um, robots, right. uh, and so she's got to sort of make a make a choice about about which gang she wants to be in. But it's um, yeah, but it was a really good fun book to write. So that's coming out in in July, and then beyond that, I've sort of then got to start thinking of other things and writing Creepy other things. Book. And one of the things, well, creepy picture book would be brilliant. One of the things that there is another creepy story that I want to write, um, and I'll, I've just, I, in fact, I start, which I started today, right, writing the first few pages okay. of, and then there's another story that I've got in my head, um, which is about a, a sort of like a tech obsessed kid who has to deal with this sort of extraordinary global event which knocks the world's electricity yeah. out. Um, and so it's the, the world sort of like falls back into a dark age. Um, and I think, which I think is basically just me being so sick of my kids playing yes. Fortnite that uh, I just want to turn the whole world's happen, electricity though? off. Well, it's it's one of those, the, the, the fun thing about this, when I tell people about this is they go, oh, yeah, because that would mean that there'd be no, like there'd be no computers and then, like petrol would run out and so hospitals would stop and um and you know there'd be no you wouldn't be able to flush your toilet and all of that sort of stuff so it would like be a proper breakdown of of civilization oh no i don't want that to yeah. happen only in a book and a book is fine but <laughs> that's safe a book, it's okay yeah <laughs> but i haven't written either of those stories yet so i've got to must must mental yeah, note must definitely. crack on but you've got something coming out in july to <laughs> keep us going in the meantime in july yeah yeah killer vending machines will be coming out in july well thank you that's brought me to the end of all my (laughs) questions so thank you very much for giving up your time to chat to me this evening an absolute pleasure joe thank you so much and 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 genuinely thank you so much for the support because it is um it's you know very difficult to to get heard 
and so people like you with podcasts and blogs um it's just it makes such a massive difference plus also i would say that um in the last few years i've sort of plugged into the mm. community on twitter and facebook and instagram and it just seems like that the middle grade book loving crowd is just a really great community and i'm just really thrilled to be part of no, it so thank too. you very thank much. you very much so i'm gonna let you go and enjoy the rest of your evening zombie free hopefully so that's right. Thank Great. you for Thank coming you, on. Bye bye. <laughs> bye. Pleasure. Bye bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed the interview, and maybe it's inspired you to search out some more spooky but very funny titles. If that's the case, I've got some recommendations here that suit readers from age six upwards. Here we go. Don't get scared. The first title I'd like to recommend is called B-Boy, Attack of the Zombies, that's Z-O-M-B-E-E-S, for those of you who love puns, and that's written and illustrated by Tony de Sauls and published by Oxford University Press. Now this is recommended from readers age 6 plus and is a really highly illustrated, attention-grabbing title. So it's about Melvin Medley, who is half bee, half boy and he is known as B-Boy. Now, when the arrival of the heir to the cramp fortune arrives, it coincides with a wave of a bizarre sickness bug which is sweeping the school. Mel starts to become very suspicious and his suspicions grow when he and his bees discover a factory hidden deep in the woods with giant flowers, drones and ferocious glowing zombies. Can he save the school? What happens next? Next, I want to recommend Night of the Living Ted by Master of Scares, Barry Hutchinson, which is illustrated by Lee Cosgrove and published by Stripes Publishing. It's the first in a new series and number two, um, Revenge of the Living Ted has also just been released. Um, but the first book is about Lisa Marie and her big brother Vernon and they're shopping for a birthday present for their dad when they spot a tempting offer for a free Halloween teddy bear in the window of their local Creator Ted store. Perfect, they think. However, inside things seem very different from the perky exterior and the hairs on the back of Vernon's neck start to prickle when he looks around the shop at the glassy-eyed selection of bearskins hanging on hooks on the walls. Now, on Halloween night, the shop owner brings the bears to life and Vernon's bear goes rogue and on the rampage. Can he be stopped? And I would recommend this for readers aged um, eight and up. Okay, I hope you're not getting too scared because next I want to recommend There's a Werewolf in My Tent which is by the brilliant Pamela Butchart and illustrated by Thomas Flinton. And there's a whole series of spooky books, spooky and hilarious books published by Nosy Crow. And these are great for readers aged six plus. But in There's a Werewolf in My Tent, Izzy and her friends are super excited about heading off on their school camping trip. That is until they hear strange noises in the night notice some rather vicious looking scratch marks and also 
identify some rather irregular behaviour from their gym teacher, including her incredibly hairy legs. Could it be that there's a werewolf in their midst? Now, all of um, this series of books from Pamela is absolutely hilarious and certainly suitable for younger readers. So don't be worried that they might not sleep at night. They will, I promise you. Finally, I'd like to recommend to you a graphic novel style book from the wonderful Phoenix Comics Company. The book is called Corpse Talk Season 1 and this is by Adam and Lisa Murphy and published by David Fickling Books and I would say would be suitable for readers age 9 plus. This is a clever, clever comic style history book which brings the dead famous back to life. Um, Adam Murphy acts as an interviewer, artist and writer whilst interviewing the bodies of famous people from the past. Um, you will learn what they're famous for and how they died. The brilliant comic style illustrations showcase snippets from when they were alive and what they are most famous for. Um, this is a really brilliant, highly engaging series of books. Make sure you check it out. So if you like the sound of Matt Brown's Mutant Zombies Cursed My School Trip, I'm almost certain that you will enjoy one of the recommendations I've just made as well. But if you're looking for more, please do get in touch with me either by leaving me a voice message using the Anchor app that I record this podcast on, or by getting in touch on my Facebook group, Library Girl and Book Boy. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram as at BookSuperhero2. Or, of course, there is my blog, www.librarygirlandbookboy.wordpress.com. Don't be shy, get in touch. So all that's left now is for me to reveal who will be on the next episode of the Library Girl and Book Boy podcast. And I am super excited to tell you that it is none other than the great master of illustration himself, Johnny Duddle. We'll be chatting all things pirates, gigantosaurus and of course those stunning Harry Potter covers that he did for Bloomsbury. To make sure you don't miss out, make sure that you remember to download the recent episodes and subscribe so that you get an alert straight away when Johnny's episode is broadcast. See you next time. Happy reading.